I want to apologize. All of us are working on getting on a schedule. That is the is the key to success and to, to be on a healthy schedule that we're shtickle plugged in. It's funny that rote, to be by rote, to be robotic and to do things by rote is such a complex topic. It's not what I want to talk about today in the slightest, but doing things by rote is both a mile and a chesern. It's a big advantage and a terrible thing. I want to explain it. It's very horrible to be robotic, not to have passion and energy and be powerful. Yet, there's a big mile that I'm almost, I'm so locked in, it's just what I do naturally. There's a word we say in prayers every morning, right after the brachas, every morning we say a prayer to Hashem, and we ask Hashem, make me have a regilus. I should have a regilus. A regilus is that which I just do by rote. David HaMelech said, I planned out my way, my day. I thought out my day. My feet just took me to the base medrash. I remember years ago when the yeshiva was in Waterbury, on an off day, I was supposed to go somewhere and I ended up in front of yeshiva. I just saw it in front of yeshiva. I was supposed to go someplace else. It just, I was so used to going to yeshiva, my car just like drove me to yeshiva. I could tell you there are days I'm talking to my wife on the phone on the way to yeshiva on the way back. I said, where are you? I said, I have no idea. I don't know what highway out there. I just... The car just sort of goes. I don't say it's the healthy way of, of driving. Now guys are going to be afraid to come with me anywhere. I'm driving, but I, I'm so used to it. What highway am I on? Mine, the 91, the 691, the 84. I just sort of do it. And to the point, I'm not even sure what road I'm on. Right? Where, am I, where am I up to in the trip? How, like, I'm not sure where I am. There's Regilus. Now, Regilus, doing something robotically is good and bad. It's bad because Rahman Alibabai, what we spoke yesterday, you're supposed to have passion and thought to what you do. It's good because you're, you're like, you're dialed in, you're plugged in, you, this, you have like a system in place doing what you do. They call it in basketball muscle memory. You're just like, you, you know what you're doing, it's just muscle memory. You just, so we even dive into Hashem, Targileinu Besarasecha, let me have a regilus in Tyra. A regilus means regal. It's defeat. This is just what I do. My, my body does this. So it's very, very healthy to have a schedule so I don't have to like, put, almost like I end up doing it much, much less effort. I'm like effortless. I'm, it just happens. I go this time to this. And it's a very healthy way. Now we want to add the thought. You want to always have lave. And you always want to have the lave there, and you're supposed to always, and their technique to adding in the lave, but the fact that you have a regilus is good, you add in the lave, and you're a shalim. Regilus is good. I feel badly to start. We have the first seder. We're going slow. I don't feel so badly, otherwise it would be different. I just want to tell you that we'll get the afternoons. Normally, we're running right to Musser, and I appreciate everybody coming 2 o'clock. You just... You barely finished your meal, your lunch. Be'ez Hashem, the normal schedule will have one to three will be lunch. There'll be stuff going on during lunch all the time. 3.05 Mencha and Mos will be 3.30 to 4.30. Tomorrow, we're going to run our first full day. Be'ez Hashem, tomorrow we'll run first Seder, second Seder. And we'll begin the day, a full day. Today, there's no afternoon. There will be the pool be open. They'll be swimming Be'ez Hashem from about 4 to 6, 4.30 to 6, the pool will be open. And tonight will be night seder, and then at 9, there will be basketball tryouts. So that's what varsity tryout will be tonight, because we do have to get started. That league is starting, that preseason league is starting. So we have to get going tonight. That will be 9.30. But for today, we're having most of the earlier time. I thank everybody for being flexible and joining early. I want to tell you that I was Zaycha to learn by my Rebbe for nine years. I learned by him all my life. I still think about the things he taught me. And I remain learning by my Rebbe. I could tell you Yom Nairam, Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur are coming. Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur, I'm physically in Yeshiva. And I try to emotionally be here as well. But during davening, I'm by my Rebbe. 
I still, I listened to his tefillahs for years. I could still hear him. In certain parts of davening, I literally could hear him. He put a lot into davening. He davened for the Ahmed for years and years and years. Not today, he had... He had Yanamach on his vocal cords, but he davened for many, many years. And I remain in front of my Rebbe, Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur. I could hear him read certain pieces. His davening was haunted, was elevated. It was a very, very special tefillah. So I could say that, I'm, that I remain by my Rebbe today, but I was like to hear Shiurim for nine years. A sophisticated student doesn't just hear different shiurim. You ask yourself, what did he speak a lot about? You tend to notice what he was focused on. He taught many things, but what was a focus? What was a big focus? And there's a topic that in the nine years was the most focused on for sure in all the nine years. It was the most focused on. I could say as somebody who listened for many years, these, there were two topics that were clearly one and two. As I've gotten older, I realize it's one and the same. I want to talk about it in terms of introducing, welcoming you to Yeshiva. I want to talk about it for a few minutes. And the topic that he spoke about most, and it's important, it's interesting. I was once reading a piece from Rabbi Yerucham. And Rabbi Yerucham spoke about a certain topic on the Torah, and he said that it's, I don't remember if he said it's the most talked about topic by Hashem, or one of the most, but he said this is either the most or one of the most frequently repeated topics in the Torah. I found that to be so sophisticated. You're not just learning Torah, you're actually getting a sense of what Hashem is into. You're actually like getting a sense. A guy can go by shiurim. I have asked people, I like big people. So a guy tells me, I learn by so and so. I ask, what does he talk about? Some student, I don't know, he says a lot of things. Some guys know what I mean. He says a lot of things, but he talks. You get, you'll see in your life. You get, we all give many shiurim. You get to teach like three things a year. At the end of the year, what did you walk away with? You went there, what, you, you went to Rai Wisniki, what did he say? You get like three things. You could talk for a year straight. And you'll teach many things, and they go into us. But there's certain lasting, enduring, certain powerful things. So my Rebbe spoke about many stuff. And much Chachma, I remember a lot of Chachma. I'm, I'm giving Shiurim for 20 years now, B'siyata Deshmaya for over 20 years. And I'm saying over things I heard from my Rebbe. I give over things for 25, 20 somewhat years, things that I've heard from my Rebbe. So I heard a lot from him, but I mean underlying the message, what he was saying. And the topic that my Rebbe spoke about more than anything is to be honest, to be an honest person in business, not to cheat, not to cheat. You owe a dollar, pay the dollar. To be honest in business, that's what he spoke about. There's a second topic he spoke a lot about, emuna, faith. Real faith. It's thrown around a lot, emuna. The words are thrown. Faith is a very real thing. When you have every reason to be afraid, you say, I'm in good hands. Faith. Honest to goodness faith. I'm in good hands. I'm in Hashem's hands. I'll tell you an honest story with faith. Honest faith. I'll tell you a story. Somebody who is very dear to me, somebody I love a lot, went through challenges in their life. They had physical challenges of significant note. The doctors, and this person has real faith. Samun is a moment, real, real faith. I'll tell you a story, a crazy story with this person. Very touching story. I was with Chaim, I was with Chaim with a few guys, and a, a, a Yid who I liked a lot was speaking. And there were question and answers. And a lady asked the question, she said, Rabbi, listen to this. A lady said to the Rav, she said, Rabbi, I heard, I heard that all of us choose the challenges. Before we're born, we choose our own challenges. We choose our challenges before we're born. We choose our peckle. We ask God. I want this. I accept this challenge. It's left up to us and we choose our challenges. Said the lady to the Rav, the Rav was a beautiful Yid, she said, I don't believe it. 
She said, I stand there. I was taught this. I don't believe it. She described what she went through. Terrible Yusurim. I don't believe I ever would have chosen this. I hate it. I don't believe I chose it. That's what she said to the rabbi. It was very intense in the room. This was like a real... So the Rav, who was a Talmud Chacham, said, first of all, the Leshem is the one who said it. He knew where it was said that we choose our challenges, the Leshem. Who was the Leshem? Was a big Mekubal. He was Rebel Yashiv's grandfather, very good, Chaimel, excellent. He was Rebel Yashiv, the Paisik Hadar, Rebel Yashiv, Rebel Chaim Kenevsky's father in law, Rebel Yashiv. Rebel Yashiv's grandfather was the Leshem. He was a huge Mekubal. And he writes that you and I choose our challenges. We accept and choose them. Not just, not just accept it, we choose it. So he says the Leshem writes it. And he says, but we don't teach that. We, he said, the, the Rav said, I lost my wife. He said, I've gone through a year and a half before I found that he lost his wife. He said, I've gone through terrible challenges myself. That's not the way I process it. And he said, I learned by Reb Moshe. He said, like 30 years I was by Reb Moshe. However many years he said. And he said, Reb Moshe never quoted that Leshem. We can't wrap our minds. That's what he said. I was Zeichet to sit near somebody I love. And the person was mad. This person is a calm person. The type that lets things slide. It's a very easygoing person. A person was smoking, was mad. Not a person who doesn't get mad, and the type of very relaxed, very mad. Afterwards, I said to this person, I love, what are you so mad about? No, no, what are you mad about? I'm fine, I'm fine. What are you mad about? So he said that the, the rubs are not because. I said, whoa, I, I like the rub a lot. This person also liked the rub. He was mad at the rub. So what are you so mad at? He said, he didn't say he's not, he said he said apikarsis. So what's wrong? He said, we don't teach this is a leshem. We don't teach this leshem that you chose, that you would choose, that you pick your challenges. We don't, we don't teach that. Said this guy to me, listen to a person who went through a lot of, who went through pain in his life, went through difficulty. He said it from a place of upset. I promise this person worked through and Muna, faith in God, very real ways. He went through challenges, physical challenges. He worked through the Sugi of Amunah. And he said to me as follows. He said, God loves me as much as I love myself. You can't say that in any person in the world, except your parents, maybe. God loves me as much as I love myself, my maker. He loves me. And he chose it. So obviously I would choose it. He said, what are you saying? We don't teach this. This is not how we give up. I don't even need a leshem. God loves me as much as I love myself. And he chose it. Obviously I would choose it. It's not like somebody else chose, I would never have chosen this. The one who was there loves me like I love myself as much. Equal, I love myself. Hashem loves me as much as I love myself. And he chose it. Obviously I would choose it. So I explained to him that that's true what you're saying, but emotionally we don't always feel that God loves us. And the rub saying is that emotionally we're not always there. You're talking about intellectually, we're not always emotionally there. He said, I understand. He was comforted. But that's faith. That's faith. That's real. That's real life. Faith. That's real. That's real stuff. That a person practically under duress says, I'm in good hands. Hashem loves me. I'm in good hands. I'm in good hands. Hashem loves me. Now that type of faith we have to find in our life. Practical, not lip service. There's a lot of lip service. We have to find in our life. Hashem loves me. Hashem loves me is not a, is not a childish slogan. It's, it's profound. And to find it, to understand it, to live it. There are challenges. Sometimes they don't feel that way. Am I really loved? And he sends us enough, enough that we could focus on and get it. He's into me. He loves me, Hashem. That's real faith. That's real, real faith. Whenever we speak about emuna, there are three components. You, there's no such thing as emuna if you don't chap that Hashem's crazy over you. Oh, how could I try? He, and anything you would do to help yourself, 
which is everything you would do if I was in power. Well, guess what? The one who is loves you as much as you. Guess what? If I was in charge, the one who is loves you as much as you. And anything you would do, he does, because he loves you. He has more information than you. That's part of faith, real faith. From Tungben and Emunah, that's real. Nothing has more counterfeit in the world than Emunah. Counterfeit, the most counterfeit, writes this, that there's massive amount of zeof. Faith is the easiest thing to pay lip service. You pay homage to faith. You can pay homage to faith. A lot of lip service. I'm talking about real faith. Under duress, under difficult situations, really walking away with the true, with an awareness, Hashem's crazy over me, real. And I'm in good hands. I'm in very good hands. And a profound faith. So Emunah, my Rebbe spoke a lot about Emunah, and he spoke a lot about honesty, about being honest in business. Now I want to ask a contradiction. In the Torah, Amalek, the Sugi of Amalek, the sworn enemy of our people, that people that's been a thorn in our side is brought up twice in the Torah, Amalek. Once in this past week's Parshas Kiseitzeh and once in Parshas Bishalach. Twice in the Torah, in our holy Torah, Amalek, our enemies. And the Torah, based on Chazal, based on Psukim, the Chazal teach us that Amalek's a threat, but it's a contradiction. In Bishalach, it says that Amalek attacks when our faith is questionable. Hayesh Hashem bikirbeinu im oyen. When a year doubts, is Hashem amongst us? Hashkoch, Hashem, seeing and being involved, that brings Amalek. Amalek attacks when our emunah is weak. It's not like a punishment, like God gets us back. It's God wants us to wake up and realize we need Him. And under duress, people get more religious. So one thing that brings the enemy's attack, the difficulties of life, is lack of faith. And the second, in our Parshas Kisait say, it says dishonesty in business. Right next to the Parsh of Amalek, it says you're not allowed to have false weights in your house. You're not allowed to have messed up measurements in your house. And next to that it says, remember what Amalek did. Says Chazal, what brings Giru Ha'ayev, what brings the enemy, is lying b'midos is cheating in business. It's two chazal, it's like a steer. One chazal said cheating in business, and one says faith, and of course it's the same. The deepest place that a person, the most practical place, that a person's tested on faith, people pay homage all the time to Hashem, and then when it becomes to money, they become secular, they become frayid. The Messiah Sisharim, the great safer, says that rabbim are mischastim. Many people are chassidim, mechol anfeya chassidus. In all branches of from, they're so from. And when it comes to money, they're not chassidim. Maybe the place that in the most practical way push comes to shove, do you have real faith? Is do you cheat or not? Are you honest in business? That's the most, pra- my family, my parnasa, my livelihood, my life, my house, my every... Uh, and people all of a sudden get sticky-fingered. All of a sudden, where's Hashem? Emona. Hashem runs the world. Don't touch a dollar that's not yours. Honesty might be the place we were most challenged in our life to see how practical the faith that we have is. Hashem runs the world. I play by His rules. Hashem runs the world. Hashem runs the world. Even under the most desperate most dire times, most, but, but I parnas some money. Hashem still runs the world. And the area that most challenges a yid is the faith just lip service. Now, I don't say nobody should cheat. Be honest. Do I say that means the person has no faith? I say that it's not as deep as it should be. And one a real faith. And the most practical area we're challenged in our life is honesty in business. It's being honest and real. And this was a topic, my Rebbe spoke about honesty in business. In the nine years, he went there so much, he used the word erluchkeit. It's like a magical word to me, erluchkeit. 
Erlich. I hear Erlich. He wanted to produce Erlich a Yidden. Erlich, the word Erlich is a beautiful word. It's beautiful. Erlich. He's an honest guy. Erlich is honest. I have tremendous admiration for an Erlich Yid. He's an honest Jew. There's a beauty. He's honest. He's honest. You can deal in business. This guy is just honest. If it's not his, he won't touch it. If he owes it, he gives it. He's honest. Erlich. There's an honesty to this. A beautiful word. An Erlich Yid is a gorgeous Yid. He's beautiful. It's a beauty. He's honest. And under the most pressing, trying, but it's so but it's so tempting. But I've spent so much time with so many people who are in business. It's so tempting to go for gray. And there's so much it's gray. There's so much rationalization and so much to be gained by being on the, oh, it's right there. But are you honest? Is it right? Erlochkeit. It's magical words. I hear the word Erlich, I picture my Rebbe. That's what he spoke about. And er, that's everything he wanted to build was Erlich Yidin, an honest Jew. And the Torah says, this is repeating the Torah, not to be shakarta b'midos, not to be a dishonest person. And it's all of us will have challenges in our life. We'll have many challenges, but being an honest Yid, really, really honest. Really. And for anybody to dare say you can't be rich if you're honest, that's heresy. They were Yidin who were rich, Shane Kamayu, you're rich when Hashem's guys are Ashiras, who were honest people, who didn't cheat. They're just honest. There's no statistics. A guy, could a guy cheat and get money? A guy cheats and has money. It's not honest. It's not honest. One of my favorite psukim in the Torah, one of the great, amazing claims, is Yaakov Avinu says to love on. Yaakov's one of our three fathers. Yaakov Avinu. And Yaakov, one of the three founding people of our people, he says to Lavan, he lived by Lavan for 20 years. You know, a guy goes to a hotel. Who can say they don't have a pen from the hotel? Somebody, a Bachar Yeshiva once showed me, the Bible is the most, is the most read book in the world. Everybody believes in our Torah. Everybody knows our Torah is true. It's the most read book in the world. A Bachar and Yeshiva showed me that the most stolen book in the Torah, the most stolen book in the world is the Torah. Because people steal the Bibles from the hotel rooms. <laughs> That's a weird thing to do to steal the Bible. But a guy showed me statistically the most stolen book. Do you have a smartphone on you, Aviel? Can you ask Siri, Google, ask all the Rebbes, what is the most stolen book in the world? <laughs> What's the most stolen book in the world? Yes, sir. That true? Scary. A shul and What? Let's, Let's go. Let's, Let's go. go. <laughs> yeah. According to experts, the Bible is the most commonly stolen book. <laughs> what a stat! What a stat! Bacher, show me the things you learn here. Are amazing! <laughs> That's a cool stat. The fives amongst us are like totally fired up. They like like stats. Like, like wow! The fives amongst us heard that. I'm like so happy I came to Woodbury. They're better things coming. But the, the anyway. This, <laughs> then they read, they go home, they steal, like, they bring it back to the, they bring it back to the hotel. Okay. But Rabbi say, people walk away from hotel, people end up, they have a towel or this, that's Geneva, it's thievery, it's robbing. Yaakov Avinu lived by Lavan for 20 years. He lived by Lavan 20 years. Lavan stole from Yaakov Avinu day and night. He cheated Yaakov all the time. Lavan was the spitz robber. He was dishonest. Yaakov Avinu has every rationalization to, you know, take his owed. He's owed millions from Lavan. He has every rationalization. He's, he's managing all of Lavan's stuff. He has every rationalization to take a little bit. That's entitled to him. And he says to love and mashashtas kol kelay. I analyzed every penny I own and I didn't find a dime, not a penny that's not mine. 
Yaakov Avinu fine combed every item in his house thoroughly. He said, I leave your house, love, and there's not a penny. He was there for 20 years. By logic, there'd be a towel, some towel of Lovan would end up in Yaakov's property. Something of Lovan would end up in his property. He says, I went through every penny I own. There's not a penny that belongs to you. That's where we come from, Chavu. From Yaakov Avinu, MS, Titein, MS, Liyakov, in honesty. And for nine years, my Rebbe spoke about honesty when it comes to money. I want to say to the Chavra that from the main drives of this yeshiva is I want to produce honest people. And I want to say that the main area of honesty that I think about, but I don't think it could live in a vacuum. I don't think a guy can attain this honesty without that honesty, and I'll explain in a second. The honesty that I think about is a person who's real with himself. It is so easy to be a stranger and to lie to yourself. It's easy to be detached from your own truth, of who you are, your strengths, your weaknesses, what you need to do. It's so easy to lie. I'm going to give an example of a guy who's a liar. I consider this dishonesty. Us men can emotionally detach. We're good at it. We're great at it. You have a father, he's 50 years old, and us men can have flight behavior emotionally. The story of our children's life is very emotional, much like our own. It's emotional. This son is struggling. This son is feeling this and that. And to engage the story of your kid's life is frustrating and difficult and emotional and overwhelming. Guys have accused me, and I've, I've thought about it, and they're right. Guys said, Rebbe, I tried to open up to you. You didn't let I, I, the guy was right. I was running away from emotion, from feeling, pushing him to express and running away. It's hard when somebody cries. It's hard to feel. That's also a dishonesty. And a man can emotionally, I support my family. You're not emotionally there. You've run away emotionally. You're not emotionally there. You're not emotionally there. I used to think when I was younger, that a bacher has to, ver- I knew, I sensed, and I could talk about it, and we will talk about it this year, that a bacher has to express all different things of his past must be expressed. People who don't express things they went through, experiences and difficulty, end up stuck by those experiences all their life. The guy who says, oh, I'm past it already, I'm past it. He's the guy, I, I would swear her on the Sifrei Torah. I'm not going to, I'm not swearing. I'm saying what I would do. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. I'm because I don't swear. But the guy did not pass it. It's not true. He didn't pass it. He didn't pass it. Ah, oh, I'm passing it. You're stuck. You haven't moved an inch. So he has to express. Now, I used to think the guy expressed. There's something called the wall of words. A guy can express, and it's not nothing. It's better he expressed than he didn't, but it's not. He has to feel and experience. He has to cry. He has to express it. He's living it. Ironically, you have to go there to not go there. You have to experience it to detach from it. Otherwise, you stay attached all your life. But if you express and you feel, but he has to be emotionally honest and real to say it, to feel it, to experience it. He has to have an honesty. There's a dishonesty that a human being is capable of emotionally checking. That's dishonest too. You're not there. You're not present. You're not honest. You're not showing. You're not. There's a dishonesty. There's escaping emotion. It's also dishonest. When we speak about an honest person, we're talking about somebody who's self-aware profoundly and deeply to all the different voices inside of us. We're packed with voices, deep ones, profound ones. And things we hide and run from, that's also dishonesty, running from, from something that's talking, that's saying, that's expressing. There's a, the world's talking a lot about marijuana. Marijuana's pathetic and horrible. But a guy's not an addict the day he started smoking. Guys who smoke marijuana were hiding well before they smoked and drank. Well before. And this guy doesn't do marijuana and, and drink, and he's a workaholic. And this guy, this guy does it with a smother also, and he's the same addict. 
He's not facing emotions and feelings that are true. He's living a lie. He's running away. He's hiding from, from voices, from feelings, from experiences that Hashem sent him that he's designed to experience and work through. A person's experiences elevate us. A person's experience, we could turn into greatness, into faith and all different special things. Or we could be a liar. And the liar pretends like it isn't. The liar just stops it away and pretends. And he doesn't tell himself he's lying, but he's a liar. He's dishonest. He's dishonest, not feeling, not answering, not responding, not processing. That's also a dishonest. There's a dishonesty to the person, a profound dishonesty. And when we speak in yeshiva about an honest person who's striving to produce er l'chayidin, is a real, honest, authentic person who has emotions and feelings and experiences that are difficult, but he's responded, not hid from. He's addressed and not lied about. The vice is to lie, and the, the vice is nothing changed. Marijuana has changed zero. It's just different vices over the years. There's this vice to lie and that vice to lie. All ways of being dishonest with your experiences. Not facing and having the courage to, to be a real person, an authentic human being who's authentic with their experiences. So this topic that my Rebbe so badly spoke about in Erlich Yid. Of course, the business, I don't believe there's a guy who lies in business who could have this type of honesty. I don't believe that's not how he's constructed. He builds himself that he rationalizes and tricks. And that same guy, you, you can't selectively be honest. It's a midda to pursue through and through of honesty. Through and through. The honest person is gorgeous. Is so. I'll tell you an interesting story. <coughs> A girl was dating a guy I know. She called me up. She said that he's divorced. She said, I have no problem, he's divorced. But I could tell he had no process. When I talk about, you got divorced, so what happened? So what have you done? How have you healed? There's no process, there's no response. She said, I can't trust this guy. To be his wife, I'm putting my life in his hands. There's no, if he's able to, he, he detached from what happened. There's no, I don't see any process how he responded to such a major incident in his life. She understood that I can't trust such a person. If he could be so dishonest in such a serious way, I can't trust him to put my life in his hands. She was saying a true, a true thing. It was hard to argue. And what we demand and ask in yeshiva, it's a very, very tough place, Waterbury. It's annoyingly tough. And if you think there's a stitch of exaggeration, you'll find out it's not true. It's one of the hardest places in the country. It's much easier to have all the externals and to keep all the rules. And there are rules here, there are rules here. But the echo rule of the yeshivas, it demands and it asks the environment for honesty. It begs and demands honesty. It's very hard. I sometimes wish I wasn't in, very rarely, I usually like being in, but sometimes I wish I wasn't in Waterbury. The, the demands of honesty are difficult. They're difficult to uphold with, to be honest with yourself. It's often easier to be dishonest and to hide and pretend and make like it's not there, what we're feeling. And what, but I have to face it. And I can face it, and there's a, beauty, there's a beauty and a happiness to facing, to being honest, to, to working through. I, and I accept and understand, and I'm tremendously freilich with it. But that's the honesty, that's such an important topic in yeshiva. That's that word, that's how we picture. I, don't, I can't even tell you, I tend to wonder today that my Rebbe might have meant this. And I don't, I don't, I can't, I can't, I can't promise you my Rebbe meant it. My Rebbe spoke about honesty day and night, that I'm reporting to you. The honesty he spoke about was in terms of business. He spoke being an honest person. He spoke about Erlichkeit, honesty. The way it always seemed was faith, a person who lives with God, a faithful person who's honest, who's honest and doesn't cheat in business. 
the deep, profound Erlichayid that we speak about is somebody who Mamish worked through hard sugyas within, that, that, that faced it, that worked through it, that expressed it, and didn't duck and hide from it. That's the Erlichayid. I hear in that bachar on the last night of yeshiva, guys get up and all of a sudden a guy shares his story with us. He takes a certain curtain down. He, he's such an awareness, such an honest, the Erol Chayid who's so in touch and in sync with his own story. That's true by every single human being. By every single human being. I'll tell you something funny. I'm t- once we mention marijuana, we're talking to a group of people, Baruch Hashem, we don't struggle with it. But I want you to hear something. I want you to hear something. When I tell a bacher that you, it's very important for all of us to hear this. When I tell a bacher, you smoke up because there was, there was stress in your home when you were six years old, your parents fought, that's why you're smoking. Because there was stress in them, your parents fought, that's why you smoke. He looks at me like I'm crazy. But you're out of your mind. Do you think I ever hope my parents fought? Give me a joint. My parents fought. Let me smoke up. He thinks you're crazy. He looks you you're out of your mind. And of course that's true. Of course it's true. So what do I mean? And that's why I smoke up. By the way, they might have fought when you were one and went to professional counseling and never fought again. And you smoke up because when you're one, your parents were fighting. What do I mean? You don't even know they fought. What do I mean? A person smoking up, he's running away from a feeling. There's something uneasy inside. Oh, it's just not smooth. He says he wants to have fun. So he goes to the medicine cabinet. He means that there's tensions inside that live, heavy tension. And when he smokes up, the tension goes away. So of course he goes back to it. He has tension, heavy tension inside. Oh, he breathes out. He feels calm. So nobody likes pain. So he's trying to be calm. But he has to ask himself, what was that tension? Why is there tension in me? Why is there tension? What was that that I'm medicating? What was that? What is that that I'm medicating? He has to resolve. What's the uneasiness that you're running from? And what's the solution for that uneasiness? Why are you so tense? What is that? What's that nekunda? And we're here on this earth to resolve, to figure out, to elevate, to get places. That's why we're here. And he is running away and not asking, why is it that there was tension? That, that, why, did, why did it work for you? What was it working on? What was it that made you feel better? The more you need it and the more it makes you feel good, the more you should stop and ask, so what is it that I'm running from? That's honesty. That's honest and to examine. It takes time to ask, what are the feelings inside? What are they saying? What's the healthy response? And what's the positive response to those healthy, difficult ones, but beautiful responses? When a person's honest and honest, they come to tremendous conclusions. In places, instead of the answer of sheker, of lies, they replace it with faith, with beautiful, beautiful things they replace. People who have anxiety become, become amenim. Become amenim. They become people who have faith in Hashem. They replace those questions. I always say marijuana is a horrible answer to a good question. There are questions. There's something there. There's a tension. What was that tension that you were stilling? And then if sometimes medication could sometimes be a good answer, find a good one. But that's only part of the answer. But if I don't know the question, I can't get any answer. If I'm willing to not examine what the questions are, then I'm a chakran, then I don't have a good path in life. The yeshiva, the striving of the yeshiva is to produce an honest person, an erlucha human being, somebody who's honest, somebody who's profoundly honest. I always feel that what's the einish? Somebody lies, is dishonest, so Amalek attacks us. An attack force is honesty. When an enemy attacks me, I am forced to ask questions. I have no choice but to get honest in the face of an attack. And Hashem will send us things that might force an honesty, that say you have to resolve, you're in trouble, you have to figure out. But this is the, this is the mission of the yeshiva, to produce, to encourage, to allow for an honesty, an honest person, an honest discussion, an honest search of self. It's funny, we speak about the Enneagram in Yeshiva. Enneagram, you'll hear it floated around. 
You'll hear it spoken about in the dorm. We always have a period of the year where the anagram like takes over. For those that don't know it, the nine personality types, it's a very developed system of personality types. The nine personality, I've showed a movie, a video to the guys, a cute video describing the nine personality types. They're much more than nine. Because a one is either a one-wing nine, a, one, a one-wing two. It has to be a number next to it. And a one-wing nine is very different than a one-wing two. It's two different sugyas. They're different books on each. A two could either be a two-wing one and a two-wing three. They are different guys. I'm a two-one. It's different than a two-three. We're all different. So two-one is a two-three. A three could be a three-two or a three-four. Every number in the Enneagram... All nine, there were tzaddikim, I'll tell you one through nine, but quickly. You're going to get a faharim, whatever, if you don't know the anagram, you're in deep trouble. So I'm going to tell you quickly. I'm going to go quickly through the anagram, very, very bikeus. Maybe once we'll learn a in, but I'll tell you why I'm mentioning the anagram. Very, very quickly. By hands, who here knows the anagram, the nine numbers? Who here knows it? Judah? Srili? Mendel? Hatsi, hatsi. Quickly, I'll tell you the nine. Mendel, you know all nine? I'm impressed. I'm going to go quickly. I'll go Eitan, Avi, I'm going to go quickly. Uh, I'll go quickly through the nine numbers. Eitan, Avi. I got that wrong. Avi, Eitan. What did you say? Oh, I'm sorry. Maish, how are you, Maish? I, I hung with Maish all morning. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. How are you, Mosh? Poor guy, we're, we're like studying together all day. Okay, good. Thank you, Maish. So I want to quickly, oh, so Maish heard quickly, I'll go through the nine, the anagram, very, very quick. The one, the one in the anagram is the very organized guy who doesn't want, you know, what the, you know the ones are, to say it briefly, a lot of principles are one. A one is a principle type of person. We, it's, this is the funniest thing. We have a tournaments, so you got to take it back to half courts. The ones always touch half court. If they just miss it, they go back to touch it up. If you want to want the one in the Enneagram, ones are very principled. You, you do it because it's right. They always play by the rules. That's a one type. A lot of principles, a lot of like organized, put together people. Some famous personalities who are one, Rabbi Oberland, Rabbi Beitler, very organized, principled person, are ones. That's a one. So in our tournaments, in the five on fives, the one will always touch half court, but like religiously, to the point that if he goes there and misses it, he retouches up. You know that type? Avi Lachman goes back and touches up to him. You know what I'm talking about? You know what I mean. So that's a one. You guys know what I'm talking about? You have the one? The two, there are books on the one. I'm over, so every number has the good part and the tough part. There are chair, there's healthy ones, average one, unhealthy ones. You can imagine a one could be very rigid, not flexible. You, every one has healthy ones. And then there's, there's, it's a long sogyu. A two is relationship, friendship. They want to connect a lot. They're twos. Again, they're healthy twos, they're unhealthy twos, but that's twos. They love friendship, relationship, that's two. Threes are very competitive. They care, to, they care what other people think a lot. They're the ones who are most into looks. They do very popular things. They want to be good at what everybody like considers popular. That's a three. Very competitive, that's threes. Fours are very emotional. The nobody understand me type. They love a sad story. That's like the happiest thing in the world. They love emotions. A lot of therapists are four. They're very worked out emotionally. A lot of good therapists are healthy fours. That's a four. Fives are very cerebral. Facts. Numbers. Fives retreat to the mind. They're always thinking through, what did he mean by that? Fives love the Enneagram the most. Because they like facts, they like understanding things. The more they understand, they just crave to understand how it works. They like rare facts. The five love a rare fact. That's a five. Six are very. Huh? That's true. We should give examples. That's true. Should I really owe for every single one? Okay, I owe you. But. Whose line is a great Yosef Feinstein? That was a great line. Something wasn't my own. It was Yaakov. Yaakov. A six. 
A sex is a very anxious from the world. Sex is they they very suspicious of people. They tend to think the worst is going to happen. They're very good problem solvers. Six because they think the negative. They tend to like solve. Six solves all the world problems. They're very loyal. Once they trust you, they're the most loyal of any anagram, But they tend to be suspicious of people. Tend to think the worst in situations. They're problem solvers. They're loyalists. But that's a six. Seven are very fun loving thrill seekers. Now it's funny to have that built in your personality. People think you love having fun. It's the opposite of the one. The one thrives on rules. The sevens never touch half court. That's ridiculous. The sevens are like six feet away and he's already playing. Like, you didn't touch. The ones and seven fight in my tournaments. You didn't touch. I was like, touch please. Like, and he's bedafka does a seven. If you get the imek of a seven, People think they're thrill seekers, like he loves roller coasters. It's true. They like chaos, the opposite of ones. They were gedolim like this. There's an importance to seven and ones. The world needs chaos and needs structure, and the balance of the two is the world. So sevens, like, the structure is like, what is... is that you have touch half court like the sevens like oh, come on like it's stupid and the sevens are right and the ones are right but that's a seven they're thrill seekers and love the chaos and running around that's a seven eights are leaders eights are powerful a lot of firstborns are eight very aggressive and leaders and powerful I the one of the books I read on the anagram was written by a lady who divorced an eight so like I could tell you about the eights like a string of curses she didn't like they eight's great they are leaders are powerful powerful people it's an eight a nine are pacifists can't we all get along like the thought of a fight two people fighting like oh, like, like everything should just go Kaseda that's a nine it's a long story what an 8-9 is, an 8-7, long story, 9-8, seems like contradiction, good, not for now. But these are the nine numbers on the Enneagram. Now, I couldn't care less, as passionate, I just look, I really don't care about the Enneagram. Is it true? Yes, probably. Does it matter that much? No. The reason we speak about the Enneagram so much in the Yeshiva is what I do care a lot about is guys being honest and self-aware. I don't care what system you use, and I'm not into guys saying, what's my number? What's the difference what I think your number? It makes no difference. It matters that you're self-aware. Now, guys say, I don't like boxing myself. We are not robots. We're capable of doing whatever we want. We have choice. But knowing your truna, your nature, understanding your challenges is important. You're not boxed in from it. And everybody has choices, but knowing your truna, your nature is important. Rabbi Yisrael Salanter, when he explained Musser, said the f- number one principle in Musser, Rabbi Yisrael Salanter said, is das, atzimcha, know yourself. Self-awareness, healthy, gesunde self-awareness. You're so powerful when you're, when, you're, when, you're, when you're real, when you're honest, when you get yourself. You're dangerous. A human being is very, very dangerous, not self-aware. It's funny, the guy, I, me and my son, we love animals, we love zoos. I like animals a lot. If you ever go to zoos, so they, a lot of zoos have an underlying thing they want to teach. This is the bad part of zoos. I like zoos, I love animals. A lot of zoos are people who don't like people. A lot of like the, and the underlying thing is you are dangerous. They had a big exhibit at some zoo. They had a whole thing. You're going into the most dangerous animal in the world. Be prepared. They psych you up like crazy. This is the most dangerous. And then you walk into this room and there's a mirror in the room. Now, an underlying thing of a lot of zoos is how dangerous we are. We burn down the natural habitat. Like a lot, you walk out of zoos, like you need to push it. You need to find like chizuk. You just learn we're crazy. We're the worst. (laughs) That's not true. Human beings are beautiful and wonderful. We're the best. We are not the worst. I dis with Michilas Kvoid, the Brang Zoo, and every other zoo. Human beings are beautiful and special and amazing. That part of zoos, I like the animals in the zoos. I don't like learning that I'm the worst thing because we're not. What I want to say is that a human being who's not self-aware is very dangerous. Can do dangerous things by being not self-aware. Could be a very, very dangerous husband and father and human being by being unself-aware. 
and a huge component of the yeshiva, the anagram is completely not the point, is not part of it, but a huge component is this is a place that promotes and pushes honesty, self-awareness, being a real authentic person that's in touch with themselves. How many people have done harm to people around them because they weren't aware of themselves, of what they were doing and what they were impacting? It's funny, I dislike a lot, I dislike humoring people, I dislike um, sarcasm a lot. Why do I dislike sarcasm? Because I don't like when you rip somebody, I, when you rip somebody and you make like you didn't rip them. I say, I'll give you an example. I don't like when a Rebbe says a Bachar has potential. If a Rebbe says a guy has potential, makes me, boils my blood. And I want to tell you why I can't stand saying so has potential. Because you look like you're praising a guy. I said he has so much potential. When you go to PTA and the Rebbe said your kid has so much potential, did they praise the kid or he smashed your kid? Smashing. He smashed the smithereens. What does he mean he has so much potential? All human beings have potential. We're all, we're human beings. Human beings are, wow. That's all you're saying. You see, he has so much potential. You're saying, I'm so frustrated. He has so much potential. Look what he's not doing. <laughs> you're saying that you don't understand him. You're saying he's an enigma. You're saying that you can't understand why he's not doing it. So why do I hate that? Good. Maybe I'd much rather you say, I'm so upset. I think he should be doing much better. I don't like when you claimed you praised and you were ripping. Rip, say I'm upset, he doesn't do more. I don't understand, okay, I can handle that, rip, I don't care. Sarcasm's dangerous because you would just mean and you didn't label, you yelled at somebody, that's very dangerous. Smart, eh? Don't tell your kid, say to your kid, excuse me, that wasn't so smart, much better. You at least label what you did. There was sarcasm has a dishonesty. The sarcastic man never hops he's as mean as he is. He thinks he's nice. I've seen rebellion that are sarcastic. You know you're a mean guy. You shouldn't be sarcastic with your kids. Don't humor. Say straight. You're sarcastic. Or you, you were mean and you didn't call yourself out. You just were mean. That was smart. Say to the kid, excuse me, I wasn't smart, you just did. Saying sarcasm, you bit, you punched, and you didn't realize you punched. Very dangerous. And all of us are human beings dangerous when he's not honest. You know, the guy says, I'm not angry. Yeah, you're very angry. You're dangerous when you say, I'm not angry, but say, I am angry. I am angry. I'm very angry. I'm not angry, it's just... <laughs> no disrespect. <laughs> no offense. It's funny. Do you know in text, did anybody notice this? This is just the truth. In text, if I ever get dear Rabbi Kalish, you know on a text, I don't know if you guys, this in the phones, you could just see the first words of the text. If it says dear Rabbi Kalish, I'm like, oh no. I'm like, real, that's the scariest. They usually have curse words in there. I don't know what it is. Dear Kelsh is the same equivalent to saying nothing. You just don't write that when the te- guy writes that, there's something like fear is coming. <laughs> Dear Kelsh is a famous one, but it's, that's almost like saying no disrespect. Dear Kelsh is like, I struggled to press that one to like read the whole text. Something's coming like really fierce. And like, Dear Kelsh. But I'm... Rabbi say this is something in the yeshiva. We'll spend a year learning Torah together and years, Beis Hashem. It's an environment that what we're, what we're all striving. Now, for anybody to say, I'm there, I'm honest. I'm there, I'm honest. It's a lifelong, it's a life striving. I think that we're capable of being honest people. I think the honest life is beautiful, is beautiful. I think the honest life is not be honest with yourself, you know, what you... I think the honest life is beautiful. I associate Elul, the precious month of Elul, when you didn't get serious, you didn't get honest, there's a beauty to honesty, a beauty to honesty. When a person's, when a person's honest, there's a beauty to it, a big, big beauty. You get big places, you get places with honesty. I dare say that the beautiful product of the yeshiva is there goes an erlucha person. An erlucha person is an honest person. It's something to strive for. Of course, in, in very, it, oh, it almost is easier to be honest in business, but I don't know if you can selectively be honest. 
a dishonest person there, we're talking about subtle and sophisticated levels of honesty. I don't think in very open ways a guy's a cheat and all of a sudden he's going to be subtly and sophisticated dishonest. Part of dishonesty is pointing to other people. This, my mother, so unhealthy, my father, and what about you? What about... Part of dishonesty is pointing and looking at others when we don't address ourselves. We're very, very strong at noticing things in others and self-honesty and self-examination and self-awareness can be elusive. I have this dream of becoming myself and, 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 and us around us as a chedra, honest, being a very honest person who's aware and I think honest people can accomplish amazing, amazing things. I want to end with this vert. Maish, I want you to hear this vert. Bring this back to Passaic. Maish, now we have Avi and Eitan here. Good. I want to bring a vert back to Passaic if you can. I want to end with this vert. It is time for Mincha. I want to end with this vert. Listen to this vert. I like quoting, you'll see over the year that I like quoting the Durham. I have only one track tape that I learned cover to cover with my dad. And that's Mesechtas Nedarim. I was one Mesechta to learn cover to cover with my dad. Mesechta Nedarim, I learned every word with my father. And I have an affinity for Mesechtas Nedarim. So we'll quote it from here time to time, more often than many Mesechtas. And in Nedarim, the Gemara says the following thing, Hevra. In Mesechtas Nedarim, it says that a Roman lady came to Rabbi Yehuda and she saw he was such a happy person she said, you're a drunkard. You're a drunkard. And he responded, I'm not a drunkard. I learned Torah. She said, you paskin drunk, you're a drunkard. And he said, I learned Torah. What's that discussion? What's that discussion? Fascinating. I want you all to get understand that amazing discussion. Gemara is deep. Gemara is the deepest. And what's that discussion in Gemara Nadarma? The discussion is, she said you're happy, you must disconnect from life. What's your vice? What's your drug of choice? Give me some of that. What's your brand of alcohol? You're so happy, it must be the only way I know of happiness is disconnecting. What, is, what do you hide behind? That's what she said to him. That was what she was convinced. To be happy, you got to be fake. You can't be real. So what's your advice? That's what she said to Rabbi Yehuda. And he looked her dead in the face and he said to her that I'm a Torah person. That there's a world of honesty and realness. There's a world of embracing the world, of facing challenges and difficulties and, and responding in Torah ways. Chachma Sadam Torah I love that Waterbury world over is known for honesty, sincerity, realness, and it's known for happiness. Because it's a belief of mine that Hashem made a beautiful world. And a person could be real. The Roman lady didn't believe it, as most of the world doesn't believe it. But I want to be happy to face the face. The only way is hide, is hide, is run. What's your vice to hide? What's your trick to hide? We're going to have the word of the day. The word of the day is maladaptive. Mm. Maladaptive. Who's going to, who this year, who's looking up the words? Where's Avi? Avi? I, you have a phone on you? Avi's looking it up. Maladaptive. Let's go. Translate for the Hevra. Yes, yeah, Suri, any Rosh Hashiva you want. Avi, it's your Stella. Uh, oh, one second. <laughs> Read out aloud. Maladaptive means the wrong response to something that happens. Something happens and you respond in an inappropriate, unhealthy way. It's called maladaptive. All our life, things happen to us. Marijuana is a maladaptive behavior. It's an inappropriate response to something that happens. And well before a person uses that vice, they're just inappropriate. A man who doesn't cry is maladaptive. You're inappropriate. You're running away from feeling, from experiencing. That's maladaptive behavior. 
Instead of responding, if something happens, cry, feel, express, work through it. You find ways. This Roman lady said to Rebuda, what's your trick? Where do you run? What's your maladaptive behavior? What's your way of not... And Rebuda responds, I learned Tyre. We have a response that's beautiful. We have a response that's authentic. That's the Chachmas Adam Tarapanab, the great joy that we're Zaychatuni Yeshiva of honest people, of sincere people, authentic people. Is there pain along the way to feel good? I have to first feel. Feel good is two words. Feel good. So feel good. If you don't feel, you can't feel good. And along the way of feeling good is first feel. So I feel and some bad feelings, and then I come to feel good. But in an honest place that's willing to experience, that's willing to respond to what Hashem obviously felt we should respond. He who loves us felt we should respond, a healthy response. So I'm excited to begin a journey of Chachmas Adam Tayyar Panav, a journey of living Tayyar, a journey of honesty, of somebody who's not a liar, who's not cheating, not in business, and extending to all aspects of our life true responses, honest, sincere, authentic responses. So I look forward. Our job is, takes work to make something safe like that. And there's very, these things are developed from young ages. We find behaviors not to feel, to run away, and reasons not to be honest. But I want to pray at the start of this year that all of us are to honesty, to a world of honesty, to the difficulty of being honest, but the rewarding thing of erluchkeit, of an erlucha person. That's a magical word. To say about a person, he's an erlucha yid. Now it's, to some very simple people, an erlucha yid means he doesn't treat in business. I think in our world, that's certainly the starting point. And certainly one who cheats in business is far from the world we're talking about. But the oimek of the erlucha person is the honest through and through an erlucha yid. He's through and through, he's so self-aware and so true to his experiences. That's the erlucha yid that we speak and it should be all our lots. Every single guy here, we should all be zaycha to be counted amongst those precious yid that are called erlucha yid. Let's dive in.